We're turning back in the Word of God tonight to the book of Luke and to the chapter 13 that we have already read from. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 13. And what we're going to do is simply read again just one verse, which is verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. With God's word open before us, we'll bow together, please, in a further word of prayer. The title tonight, The Time for Liberty, as we find it in this chapter. Our gracious and eternal Father in heaven, we thank Thee again. We're found together in Thy presence. And we come to the preaching of Thy truth. Lord, we are asking for Thy power to be made known. We pray, Lord, that we'll not just simply tick a box here tonight, that I have been to the house of God, I have joined in the praise, I have listened to a message, but Lord, may it be more than that for us. And if we are not converted unto Jesus Christ, we pray that the message will be so much more than just a box-ticking exercise for us. To all those that will be tuning in online as well, we pray for thy blessing upon them. Uh, thou us know the various circumstances. Uh, thou us know the illness among many. And we pray that the hand of mercy will be tender towards them and that they will know thy gracious help in these difficult hours. Come now and touch all of our families. Be with the Sunday school as they are reached upstairs, and also the Bible class that will be there as well, and those that are taking thy word and bringing it to the attention of younger minds. We pray that they will know the help of God even now. We pray in thy name and for thy glory alone. Amen. I was really encouraged to listen to a rendition of glorious freedom, a gospel piece, gospel hymn today. And it reminded me that one of the greatest blessings that we have in the Christian life is that of freedom through the atoning work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Towards the end of the message this morning, that's what we were dealing with. Philip P. Bliss wrote another hymn, and he wrote, Now are we free. There's no condemnation. Jesus provides a perfect salvation. Come unto me, O hear his sweet call. Come and he saves us once for all. And you'll find if you open the Bible, this truth about freedom coming again and again. Our Lord said in John's Gospel, at chapter 8 and verse 32, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I deviate slightly, and for a moment only, but you know today. You listen to news, and you're asking, or should be asking yourself the question, what is true? What is fabricated? What is factual? What is fake? And it's our responsibility to get on the track of the truth. 
But the truth, the Bible, this truth will make us free. And our Lord went on to say, same chapter, John 8 and the verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And then, alluding back to that hymn, Glorious Freedom, this is where it would have had its roots. In Romans 8, verse 1 and verse 2, we read, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Another reference to freedom there. And then in Galatians 5 and verse 1, we're exhorted by the apostle and he knew all of the dangers swirling about in the spiritual atmosphere then that would drag people down, that would tie them up, that would entwine them and fetter them. And so he says, be careful now, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so for the child of God tonight, it is the blessed reality of his or her experience that they have been made free through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. I think the story of John Newton, and all of you will know the him that he wrote, ultimately amazing grace, how sweet the sound, but as a young man he ran away to sea. And he was really following in the footsteps of his father. He went to become a slave trader. He was so wicked and so ungodly that even the natives disowned him and they eventually banished him. He was sold into slavery himself. And he sank so low that he was surviving on crumbs that fell from that black lady's table who in fact had him in slavery and he was going about looking for wild yams that were dug up at night. His clothing was reduced to a single shirt, which thankfully he did wash every day in the ocean. But he tried to escape out of that captivity and on his way home to England, he got a book in his hand by Thomas Kempis. That was called The Imitation of Christ. And through that book, God began to grip his heart, and John Newton was born again by the Spirit of God. And then he wrote those glorious words of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And he wasn't overstating the keys. In the London church where he pastored, there's still an inscription which John Newton wrote for himself, about himself. It was his own personal testimony, and that inscription in part reads, Once a blasphemer, and slave of slaves in Africa, but now renewed, purified, pardoned, and set free to preach the gospel which he had long labored to destroy. Like Newton, each one today who was saved, has experienced this freedom through the work and through the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. However, though many have been made free, there are many today still living in bondage, 
The bones of defilement, the bones of desperation mean that they feel to enjoy the kind of freedom we're talking about. Now, whatever the habit, whatever the vice, whatever the sin might be that is holding them, fact of the matter is something is holding them, and that something, it is hindering them, it is hurting them, it is harming them, for it's stopping them from doing the one thing that is needful in life in preparation, of course, for eternity, and that is coming to walk and enjoy the glorious freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's the case in the incident that we have before us tonight. We have a woman here who is completely burdened. She's broken. She's bound as well. She's completely unable to do anything to help herself. She is defeated. She is disabled. She's utterly hopeless and helpless. And for her, the day when Jesus came and visited her, that time was the time for liberty in her life. First thing about her, the distinction. The distinction about this woman. Some very interesting things about the woman that are recorded here in God's Word, and they distinguish her, make her distinct. We're told that she was a woman of privileged descent. In Luke 13, the verse 16, we're told there, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. She was a daughter of Abraham. That's how our Lord describes her, a daughter of Abraham. Therefore, she was of privileged descent. Some people have family Bibles. And on the early pages of the family Bible, the family tree is taken shape. And grandfather and great-grandfather and right up the line as far as possible to go. It's all inscribed in there. And so here is a lady. And being a daughter of Abraham, she had a very distinguished family tree. She wasn't a mere woman of the world. She wasn't outside of the covenant of promise. She wasn't an irreligious, disinterested person. Rather, she was a woman. And if you looked at the family tree, you saw there, Isaac's name is here. Jacob's name is here. Joseph is there. David is there. Solomon is there. Isaiah is there. So many people. She has such a rich heritage. All of these illustrious names are lighting up her family tree, a daughter of Abraham of privileged descent. Then maybe your privilege tonight is that you have come up through a family and you know people who were converted within the family. And you probably have someone there who's praying for you, be it a grandfather, grandmother, be it a father or a mother, someone in the family is bringing your name, your case, before the Lord in prayer. That's something to really count a high privilege. She was a woman of privileged descent. Not only that, she was a woman of particular diligence, and you find that as well here. This woman of particular diligence, look at what it says in verse 10. Where's our Lord speaking here, delivering His discourse on this occasion? And He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So she's not just a privileged descent here, but here's a woman who has a particular diligence. It's the Sabbath day. She's made sure 
that she's in the house of the Lord on the Sabbath day. She's in church, as we would describe it. So she's not only a daughter of Abraham, she was in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, listening to the Lord's word. That for her was a priority in her life. Now she's been battling with his infirmity for such a long time, but she is still faithful to the house of God. She's left completely helpless and hopeless by the infirmity, but she is always, it appears, in her place on the Lord's day in the Lord's house. So she has a particular diligence about her. That speaks volumes to our heart. Because here's a woman, and though she is struggling in her body, she knows there are bigger issues again. And the issues concerning my soul are the key issues in my life. And there she's taken her place among the rest in the house of God. Matthew Henry, the famous Bible commentator, said, we should make conscience of doing so as we have opportunity and not think we can spend the Sabbath as well at home reading a good book. For religious assemblies are a divine institution. And that is so vital. And in the context of where we are today, it is so important that we remind ourselves of this truth. Of course, with this woman being ill, bad things can and do happen to good people. People still get sick. People still face troubles and trials and difficulties and tribulations. It's not all honey and no bees. It's not all flowers and no trees. We all face problems. Every single one of us. But this tells me that while we do encounter times like these, we have no excuse for not attending to the things of God. And I'm talking about if we're physically able, if it's possible for us to be in the house of God, we should be present there. It humbles me and has done to see some of the people who attend this house. And you will know what I'm talking about. Even this morning, you had the visible evidence of that. People who don't have half an excuse not to come, but a full excuse not to come. Because the body is so riddled with pain and angst to be here, and yet those people who make it here are a lesson, a reminder to all of us, if it's physically possible to be in God's house, then we should be here because most of all, we need Him. Here's a woman facing things that are completely out of her control, but she didn't use that as a get out clause or a bit of an excuse here. Rather, that was a reason to get in, to be where Jesus was, to meet together with the people who were listening on this occasion to His Word. So in spite of her circumstances, she's a woman here of privileged descent, and she's a woman of particular diligence. That's her distinction. But not only do we see here the distinction about the woman, we see also the disease within this woman. In Luke 13, the verse 11, 
we have a snapshot of the disease of her inner life. Look at the torment of her disease. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed, bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself, bent right over, Spurgeon said of her disease. She was a woman who had lost all her natural brightness. This was not only revealed in her body, but in her face as well. But we are told here, this wasn't an ordinary infirmity because she was plagued with, notice the wording here, with a spirit of infirmity. And the word spirit indicates that the source of her issue was an evil spirit, result of a demon spirit, wasn't something brought upon her by some heavenly agency, but by a hellish spirit. Look down to verse 16, you'll find Satan is blamed for her issues here, and it caused her great torment. Once heard about a man who had acute abdominal pain, the doctor was called in, quickly gave him a pill, and a friend just standing by said, oh, doctor, Will that pill make him better? The doctor said, no, it won't make him better. But it'll give him a fit, and I can cure fits. But this was not something that this woman would find a prescription for. At Boots or go next door and get into super drug or something of that nature. She had a demonic disease, a sickness, placed upon her by an evil spirit. And the only physician who could come with a prescription that was needed in the case, was the Lord Jesus Christ. This disease tormented her. Notice the time of her disease, verse 11 again. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. So we're not talking in the context of a 24-hour stomach bug or something that came and then disappeared within a short period of time. Not a woman that had contracted an allergic reaction or something of that nature. She had been battling and wrestling and being pushed down and broken by this infirmity for a whole 18 years. And for that time, the devil had been afflicting her and she had been a slave. And for 18 years, she had been bound by this and fettered by this and a prisoner to this infirmity. Think of a man who had a terrible and lengthy surgery. It was expensive. The results were by no means promising. He went to the doctor on a post-op visit. The doctor said, well, I have some sad news for you. You're not going to live more than six months. The man rather dismissively just replied, good night, doc. It's going to take me a year to pay you back. And the doctor says, well, okay, I'll give you a year then. This was not the report from this woman's doctor. She had battled 18 years, and there appeared to be no hope whatsoever, not a prospect of recovery, and maybe there's someone in the room tonight or somebody who's listening over the Internet, and you're saying, well, I kind of fit the description of this woman, you know, in some ways. Because there's something binding me. There's a sinful habit that's got me. A foul temper. We were talking about that this morning. An unruly tongue. A battle with some habit. 
And I've been a slave to it, and I can't break free from it 18 years and maybe more, and I'm still a slave to this sin today. And could it be that you have never got the victory over this thing that it haunts you, drags you down, breaks you to this day? I asked the question Jesus asked in verse 16, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, ought she not to be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Is it not high time to break free? Is it not time to get that victory over that which binds you and burdens you? Isn't it time that you dropped and broke and shattered those fetters of spiritual disease and live in the freedom that Christ promises to all of His people? Shouldn't you come to Christ in repentance and in faith and get the old account settled tonight? Here was a woman who not only faced the torment of her disease, the time of her disease, there is a ray of hope. It only comes from the Son of Righteousness, but we think also of the trouble of this disease. Verse 11 again. There was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together, could in no wise lift up herself. A bit like a bow at full stretch, string completely taut, both ends coming in bent over is what the margin will suggest here. Many say that, well, this was a severe back disease or a disorder, whatever the case may be. She couldn't rise up. She couldn't straighten herself. She was unable to be there standing in the synagogue in an upright position. All she could see was what was down on the ground, anything that was beneath her. That's all the line of vision would allow her to see. Couldn't see the sky, only the sand. Couldn't behold the grandeur, only the ground. But the more, but it's more than that. The further tragedy here is that she's totally unable to help herself. We're told here, as we read at the end of verse 11, she could in no wise lift up herself. To say the disease troubled her is a big understatement. But how like sin this is bent over, a crippling malady, eyes locked onto the things of time and sense, living for ourselves, earthbound, and we don't even realize it, but just ready to topple over and down to hell itself, unable as well to lift ourselves up. We cannot despite the best of intentions. I need to break free from this. I need to be rid of this. I need to shatter this habit. I need to break through this sin. We can't do it. Save ourselves? No chance. That's impossible. No man, no woman has ever, in the history of the globe, been able to save themselves. We can't bring ourselves out of this terrible situation. I think of Spurgeon, Baptist preacher, tail end of the 19th century. He was on holidays one time, and he was speaking to the boatman going over the river and to get into gospel conversation with him and tried to put in a word of witness. And he said to him, was he hoping to get to heaven? 
the boatman said, oh, yes, I am. Well, how do you hope to get there? And he said, well, by doing this and that, by doing the best I can. That's what he said, doing the best I can. And Spurgeon said to him, so then, according to your account of things, Jesus Christ need never have come because you are doing it all yourself. But of course he wasn't, and he was bound for failure. One of our hymn writers wrote, No works of merit now I plead, but Jesus take for all my need. No righteousness in me is found except upon redemption ground, the ground where he has been, where he has shed his blood, where he has made the sacrifice. You can try everything known to man, be as charitable and good as far as the world is concerned, but it will be all to no avail. That does not unlock the door that leads to heaven. Not until you come and cry as Bunyan's pilgrim did, blessed sacrifice, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather being the man who there was put to death for me, depend on what Jesus has done, then you will be free. That's why Spurgeon, when giving advice to preachers who were training under him, he said, we must be very clear in telling the sinner that there is no hope for him anywhere else but in Christ. And so, nine out of ten of the arrows in a minister's quiver ought to be shot at the sinner's good works, for these are his worst enemies, that deadly doing that needs to be cast down at Jesus' feet. Lord, I'm stopping this whole nonsense of trying to do it myself because I can't do it. And I recognize the Lord Jesus has already it done and paid the full price for my sin on Calvary. And all I need to do is come and Take my empty hands and lay hold of him as he's offered to me to be my Savior through the gospel. So we have the distinction here about the woman. We have the disease within the woman. And finally, the deliverance for this woman. The deliverance for this woman. Thank God the story doesn't end down in the depths of disease and despair. For while we see the distinction in the woman, the disease in the woman, we also see here, as we read on, deliverance that came to this woman. In spite of what she couldn't do, not then, never could do, hadn't been able to do for 18 years, in spite of what she couldn't do, there was one who could when I could not come to where he was, praise God, he came to me. And she was delivered because, number one, she heard his voice. Look at Luke 13 and verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And really, you should be saying, Lord, that's what I need. Lord, call me to thee. He called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Isn't it interesting to note right at the beginning of verse 12 that Jesus saw her? Saw her in spite of all the people crowded into the synagogue that day? He pinpointed her. 
He saw her and recognized her need. Not only did he see her, but he called her. She heard his voice. It was no ordinary voice. It was the voice of the God coming through the eternal Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And things were different in her life because she heard it. Think of the story of a man who was obsessed by the fear that he was losing his hearing. But he didn't want to wear a hearing aid. Pride, I'm not sure what it was, but he just didn't want one of those. And so he struggled, even though the silence is getting worse as the days go by. He even resorted to carrying on conversations by writing so that he wouldn't be struggling to hear. And he was just about out of his mind, about to lose his position in work and everything he had. And finally, he was forced to see a doctor. The doctor, after a little examination, said, it's a simple problem. Your ears are just clogged up. He cleaned them out. Spook into the man's ears. Misha the man felt healed because he heard the doctor's voice. There's a far greater, louder voice speaking to the hearts of men and women today, and I trust speaking to your heart. Not the voice of a mere physician, but of the great, the greatest physician. Do you need freedom from the bondage of sin in your life? His voice is speaking to you. Do you need deliverance from that great burden of iniquity? His voice is speaking to you. What's it saying? Matthew eleven twenty eight. for one example, come unto me, all ye that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This woman had heard every voice possible. For 18 years she had tried, I'm sure, again and again, somebody, somebody, somewhere has got to have a cure. There's a recommendation. Go there, try that. She did, it didn't work. Again and again, until this voice was heard, and until you hear the Master's voice, and are called to Him, you'll not be able to leave off that burden of sin. She heard His voice. Not only that, she felt His virtue. Luke 13, the verse 13, not only did He speak to her, but also He laid His hands on her. She felt His virtue. I can only assume that for 18 years she had scrutinize the decor in every doctor's waiting room in the vicinity, read all the magazines on their tables, felt their hands run along her sickened body, but she always came out just the same as she had gone in. But now she not only heard his voice, she felt his virtue. He touched her with his hands, and things were about to change. These were the hands that had touched lepers, and they were cleansed. These were the hands that had healed a deaf man, and now he could hear. These were the hands that had even touched a dead man, and he had come back to life again. And now that these same hands are now on this woman in her desperate case, she will never be the same again. A man named Henry Millens lay in a ward in Bellevue Hospital years ago. A group of students, they circled the bed. The lead person informed them that what they were looking at was a man. He was incurable. 
and his big issue was drink. They looked at the trembling hands. They saw the dancing eyes. They recognized the quivering in the lips. And the doctor said, this man will never be cured. He'll die as he's lived. A drunkard, nothing can save him. Not long after, Ensign Hall of the Salvation Army walked into that same drunkard's room. And he sat down. He presented him with the gospel. The man accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Within a short period of time, that drunken man walked by his own power out of that room, and Christians who were gathered around praised God for the miracle of grace. What science couldn't do, the Savior did in a moment. I remember coming to this building on many an Easter Monday. And a namesake of mine, who actually built a wall for us in Lisburn many, many years ago, he's dead and in glory now, but he would have come up here and sung Hubie Brown. And if one person who sang, Billy Henning, had a signature tune, Raindrops Out of Blue Skies, then Hubie Brown had one as well, and it was shackled by a heavy burden. Neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, now I know He touched me and made me whole. And that is what you need. She heard His voice, she felt His virtue, and the final thing she saw and shared in his victory. Luke 13, 13 again, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. She'd heard his voice, felt his virtue. Now she is sharing in his victory for 18 years. It had been a battle with a spirit of infirmity, but now all of a sudden her Lord calls her, touches her, and heals her. The crooked back is straightened. The weak, the weak knees receive strength. Those feeble hands, they got sufficiency flowing to them. Victory, recovery. And may God do the same spiritually. For thus today, the story is told of a New York Times reporter working in Cambodia. It was a time of awful bloodshed. And this reporter had a Cambodian assistant who became captured by the Khmer Rouge, a Marxist totalitarian regime known for its inhumane cruelty. And he returned after enduring days and days of torture and starvation and brought right to the point of death. And for those who had looked for him, couldn't find him, they presumed he's dead. But somehow, one day, the man escaped. And he lived in fear of his life. And he went from one adventure to another, and in one instance, he sunk into a bog and he discovered it's made entirely of rotten flesh and skulls and skeletons. And again, he almost dies. And he goes through the jungle on an occasion and walks to the rise of a hill, looks down, sees the border in front of him. And he sees a little refugee camp and a hospital with a red cross on a white background. And immediately, 
The words that he thought he never would ever say again began to roll from his lips. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Wouldn't you want to be able to say that? For that's exactly what Christ can do and will do to those who need him. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of the past, for I've treated my shackles for a glorious crime. I'm free. Praise the Lord. Free at last. We'll close with a couple of verses of hymn 205, Only a Sinner. Save by grace, not have I gotten, but what I receive, grace hath bestowed it, since I have believed.